Welcome to the Convertible Content Podcast, where we discuss content that's been converted from one medium to another. From toys to video games, plays to TV, books to film and back again, we share perspectives on enjoying the same content across media. The thing is, it's like being a fan of the Beatles is like being a fan of Star Wars. Well, for our episode today, we'll be talking about the Beatles, mm-hmm. arguably the world's most famous boy band. These four young lads from Liverpool achieved world domination with enviable ease in the 1960s, which, you know, the USSR and the US, they must have been very jealous at how easily the Beatles infiltrated every country <laughs> in the world. <laughs> so... For a decade, so in the whole of the 1960s, they captured the cultural spotlight the world over. In the five decades since they disbanded, their music has continued to be very popular with many lists and accolades placing them at the summit. The catchy tunes made famous by John Paul, George and Ringo have been adapted to both stage and screen. And today, later on in the episode, we'll be talking a little bit about a couple of the adaptations on the screen. Hmm. So... I looked up this quote in preparation for today's episode, thinking about the Beatles and about music, mm-hmm. and found this quote by an old bearded man uh, by the name of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Mm-hmm. And he said, music is the universal language of mankind. So throughout re- recorded history, uh, recorded human history, music has been integral to human connection from Mozart to Metallica Music just has a way of like bringing us all together. And even I've noticed, I don't know if you've seen this, I, I, I've, I'm fairly active on YouTube, but I've seen lots of popular musicians finding ways to entertain mm-hmm. yeah. people online, mm-hmm. even in the midst of social distancing. So even in, in, this cir- in these circumstances that we're in right now, people find a way to share music with each mm-hmm. other. What I, what I thought would be interesting to start off the conversation today before we dive right into the Beatles and, and their music. I'd like to know a little bit more, Jacob, about the type of music that you enjoy and some of the reasons why you enjoy or how you enjoy music. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, music is one of those things that I think it's a very, a very personal and actually very physical experience for the listener. I mean, music and dance really go hand in hand. Right. And music has that sort of physical impact on us, right? Certain different types of music, even if it's just, you know, tapping your toes, snapping your fingers, you know, you know, nodding your head to the beat, it it elicits this sort of physical reaction. So that's something that I always thought was really fascinating about music. It's so the, but, and I say that, but I don't listen to music that makes me dance because one, I'm an awful dancer. And two, (laughs) it just, I don't know. Uh, I grew up, let's see, listening to the warped tour regulars like and i'm not ashamed to say that right i mean i was super into pop punk emo bands back in my early teens and then i have since have branched out to a lot of different ways and it's funny because you know we're talking about the beatles today mm-hmm. i grew up in a household where we didn't really listen to the beatles we listened to john denver and the moody blues but we didn't listen to the beatles and it, really yeah it wasn't really until yeah. high school when i started listening to the beatles and i started listening to simon and garfunkel and I brought this up with my mom, and she was like, yeah, I used to have all of Simon and Garfunkel's records. And I was like, why aren't we listening to this, right? <laughs> but I would say, like, 
as a teenager, maybe even as a young adult, like I think we sort of go through this phase where we tend to be really elitist about music. We tend to be like, ah, well, that music sucks because of this. And you should listen to what I'm listening to because of this. But the older I get and, you know, the wiser I've become, it's like, well, sometimes taste with music, you just enjoy what you enjoy. And that's enough. Right. Right. And yeah, you know, it's interesting you bring up this quote and uh, it's interesting that you sort of preface this discussion about the Beatles with their popularity, which, you know, obviously is something that's been recognized the world over, like you say, like, and it has this timelessness to it that we're going to get to, I think, in, when we talk about the adaptations. But how great is it that even though music can be so deeply personal in the different genres that we listen to or enjoy, different artists, etc., that there is something that I feel rather universal about it. And even though people have their own tastes and people mm-hmm. tend to be really snobby about it, it, it can reach us all personally and physically in interesting ways. I did manage to mm-hmm. give you a great answer that does not even answer your question. What do I listen to? Uh, I would say since college, you know, and I think a lot of people experience this, you really start to expand your musical horizons. And I've always been drawn towards anything that's sort of rock and roll. And so I think that's sort of where my bread and butter is. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of Neil Young, who is a fantastic folk rock musician mm-hmm. that people know, you know, he's very well known. And so I'll mm-hmm. answer your question just by saying, yeah. if it has some sort of rock and roll influence to it, I really enjoy it. Although lately I've been listening to a lot of different soundtracks as well, which are, mm-hmm. you know, very enjoyable in their own way. But if I have to list a few names, yeah. it would be, I'm listening to a lot of Neil Young. Um, that's who I'm mostly listening to. Who else am I listening to right now? I can't even think, but I don't know. Music along that. Simon and Garfunkel is another one that I'm listening to a lot as well. Well, it's interesting you bring up the like how your teenage years influence your music tastes. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I find myself listening to, and I don't know if this has been your experience, but the older I'm getting, I just end up going back to the music I enjoyed in my teenage mm-hmm. years. So I find myself listening to things like Coldplay mm-hmm. um, and and similar music from like the 2000s and the 2010 early 2010s uh-huh. because I know I enjoy it and I know I like listening to it and so it's interesting you bring up that point as well as how the music that your parents listened to how that shaped you because I don't particularly remember listening to the Beatles a ton mm-hmm. it was more of just like a cultural you know I was aware of their songs and but like my parents, we grew up in my house. My mom was obsessed with uh, Neil, a different Neil, Neil Diamond. Neil Diamond, okay. Mm-hmm. And I think it's Neil Diamond. Or yeah, Neil Diamond. Yeah, I might get, I might be getting that wrong. If, yeah, if my if my mom's listening and she's like, I didn't listen to Neil Diamond, maybe not. <laughs> but also, <laughs> uh, and all, like my parents listened to the Eagles a oh, lot. Yeah. So there's like yeah. '70s music that that we grew up listening to in in our home because that was the music of their teenagers and their adolescence as well. And I think there is an interesting point and I'm going to segue straight into the Beatles because the Beatles represent somewhat of a cultural phenomenon. At least they did at the time that they became popular because nowadays we've had, you know, all, all sorts of big stars come to the front of the, of the spotlight. Mm -hmm. But the Beatles, what, 
what's so different about them, I, I, I read a, few, a bunch of different things, watched a few documentaries and things in preparing for this. And there's really, there's two things that led to the Beatles unprecedented success mm-hmm. that I think are worth mentioning. And the first is the, the baby boomer generation. Now this is a generation that was born after world war two. People had come out of the great depression. They'd come out of world war two and they started having the things that they wanted that they'd been putting off for years. So they were having babies, they were buying homes mm-hmm. There was an economic boom that kind of went with that as well. Right. And as a result, the baby boomers was the largest generation by far. And what that meant was right in right in the in the 60s, early 60s, early to mid 60s, the baby boomers, a lot of them were teenagers. Right. And so add so we've talked a little bit about how our teenage years, they kind of that helps form our musical tastes um, and, and that gets passed on like our parents' teenage years passed that on to us. So if you, if you think about this where you've got the largest generation of teenagers ever mm-hmm. and then add on to that, the advent of the television, yes, the yeah. Beatles, they, their timing was just perfect because they were a little bit older. So they were all born in the forties. So during early forties, so they were all born during world war mm-hmm. two and they were almost like these older boys for for a lot of the the younger teenagers. They were they could look up to the Beatles because of the age, you know, right? Yeah, the yeah, age yeah. demographic that they fit mm-hmm. into. So it's really interesting that we've kind of already touched on that. That the, in our own experiences, our teenagers, you know, you you, you can be quite picky with what you listen mm-hmm. to, and that even plays out in today's music world. Oh, for sure, yeah. But what's so interesting even though that's played out with the Beatles five decades later, their music is still fairly popular. I mean, it's not as popular as, you know, Taylor Swift, Beyonce, the the big stars of today, but it is, it is worth noting that the Beatles music is still being listened to. It's still relevant today. So you, you mentioned you've had limited experience. Like, do you, are you, is your experience, do you have particular songs that you like to listen to or that you have listened to or, or are you like very, very, you know, culturally engaged with the Beatles, but not more than that? I think, I think I went through a phase where I, you know, downloaded all their albums and I listened to all of them, you know, for, you know, nonstop for three months. Okay. Right. And right. Right. And so since then, I think, certain albums of theirs have settled to the top and their albums of theirs that I just never listened to anymore. Sure. And I remember this was, this was a long time ago, but um, I was actively involved with uh, an online music journal, actually an online music sort of news outlet. And oh, cool. the, the editors I worked with talked a lot about the Beatles. And so I learned a lot of things about the Beatles from them. And I think the greatest conclusion that I got about the Beatles from them was that this, I mean, the Beatles are arguably the most influential rock band, you know, of the 20th century. You know, they're so incredibly important in that sense. And what I learned from these guys is that, and this is something that you're alluding to, right, with television. I mean, they came at a moment where technology in the music industry and the entertainment industry more broadly was evolving Mm -hmm. rapidly. 
and they had been thrust to this height of popularity and when they quit touring and they started producing studio albums only in the recording studio they were making such massive leaps in terms of how music is recorded how to produce different sounds and how to write different songs and so i think that sort of legacy of the beatles is something that i recognize even a music that i'm listening to that came out you know last month or whatever it is and Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. my experience with them is there are albums of theirs that i absolutely love um i think they are one of the most influential important rock bands of all time um but i don't necessarily listen to them every day and i don't necessarily like you know worship them uh but all of the sort of adoration admiration and you know reverence that's given to them i comprehend and i agree with for the most part so that's sort of my experience with the beatles now but like i said growing up i never listened to them so (laughs) i remember being able to place a few songs but i can't remember can't remember exactly what the scenario was, but somebody they turned on some popular Beatles song, and I was like, "Oh, what band is this?" And everybody in the room just looked at me, right? <laughs> and I think I think it was something like "Here Comes the Sun" or something that's like everybody and their mom oh, okay. loves that song, and you're just like, "I was like, oh my gosh, just make make me visible, make me disappear right now out of this room." <laughs> <laughs> and so, right, <laughs> obviously, there's a massive level of embarrassment because I didn't grow up with that sort of. Uh, you know, either cultural sure. knowledge or even just like basic recognition of some of the most popular songs since then, I think I've learned, but I, I just remember that moment being like, wow, I don't know anything about anything. Do I? So my experience, again, I've been familiar with the Beatles, but more than anything, I was mostly familiar with what would be considered like the hits, mm-hmm. the, mo- the most popular songs, the ones that get, that get played often. Uh-huh. And as I went in preparation for this episode, I went back and looked through all of the different albums just to see how much of the music I was familiar okay. with. And it was surprising that they've they've had like more than a dozen albums or they released more than a double al- dozen albums uh-huh. back in their heyday. And there was maybe only one or two songs on each album that I actually could like could recall. Uh-huh. And so... That just told me as well, like there are so many songs I just don't know. Like I, I've been trying to listen to more Beatles over the past few days, um, more of their songs. And I came across one I'd never heard before called Octopus's Garden. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Which if they can have a, have you, have you heard yeah, that song? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they can have a song about a yellow submarine, then I shouldn't be too surprised <laughs> about a song about being in an, an octopus's garden because it's in that same, I don't, it probably was in the same album that I think about it, but yeah, it's just, it's interesting that the same way that I discovered music as a teenager and since like I, the music was being released as I was growing up. Sure. And so it was relevant to my day. C- compare that to how I've come to know the Beatles. I've gotten a piece here, a piece there. And it's mostly just like whatever has distilled to the top. Right. Um, rather than listening to a whole album and and coming to to find the music that way which you know that's pretty typical because i didn't grow up in the 60s uh, I, I i'd be more interested in the music that came out in my day but it is still interesting to see how popular their music is today uh-huh. despite being you know 50 plus years old and they're even you know a lot of the time the the versions of the beatles songs we listen to now are remastered sure because 
even though technology, as you said, was, you know, coming on leaps and bounds in, in the 60s, it's it's come a long way since. And so they're even finding ways to enhance the experience of listening to the Beatles music because you're able to remaster it, use new technology to make the the mix a lot more pleasant or more um, smooth to listen to or clear. Right. But um, yeah, it's, it's interesting, as you said, worldwide phenomenon, hard to ignore them in any consideration of music in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure there's people listening that are way more uh, into the Beatles music and, and much bigger fans than we are. But even still, I think just generally everyone has some level of familiarity with the Beatles and their music, which just speaks to the the appeal of their music like it, it is very easy listening it's not you don't have to you know you don't have to worry too much about the story that's being told in the song it's it's very their songs are very simple and very easy to listen to yeah i don't know it's it's funny i think at one point i think i pretended to be a beatles know-it-all and i think if you were to ask my wife she'd say that i am but the thing is it's like being a fan of the beatles is like being a fan of star wars there are nine million people <laughs> out there who are bigger yeah. fans than you, and they know about 9 million more trivia facts than you do about them. It's a rabbit hole, I feel like. And mm-hmm. but I, I say that, but what I want to get back to is what you're saying. Everybody has some sort of relationship with their music, right? Like now... I have favorite yeah. albums by them. I like listening to the Beatles. Excuse me. I like listening to the Beatles like one album at a time. Um, instead, usually instead of individual songs. Yeah. And there are very few artists, though. I feel like where everybody has some sort of relationship with them, and the only other one that comes to mind is like Michael Jackson, maybe. But like that kind of an impact is so fan. Like it's just such a phenomenon to think about how something like that could occur. We're going to transition a little bit now to some of the adapted media. And today we're going to talk about two films that have adapted the Beatles music. Before we jump into those two specific films, I wanted to get your thoughts, Jacob, on music to film in general. So in recent years, there have been a number of movies that have been adapted from the work of popular musicians. And on the one hand, you've got movies like Bohemian Rhapsody and Walk the Line, which play like musical biopics where they're reconstructing the rise of these worldwide stars. And then on the other hand, you have movies like Mamma Mia that are trying to form a narrative and using the lyrics of the original music. So you've got kind of both are pulling from the same source, but doing it in different ways. And when, when we're approaching these adaptations of popular music, how important is it for the movie to capture the essence of the songs and the musicians? This is such a difficult medium, I feel like, to, to, to adapt, to sort of translate, because obviously music is it's all about what you're listening to. It's, it's oral, right? Uh, and, and the experience with film is primarily visual. Right. And I say that full well knowing that obviously when you're watching a movie sound, whether it's a sound editing or it's a music, the soundtrack that's, you know, attached to the film is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. Right. But I think if you're taking a song, right. And you are trying to adapt that to film, 
you've got lots of hurdles to jump. And that's why I think we've mm-hmm. seen things like musical biopics, right? I think Rocket Man was another one, you know, the Elton John one. Yeah. Well, what they're doing is they're focusing on a person and that person's narrative and how maybe they wrote the music and the different complications and conflicts that arose while they were, you know, as a musician. So that to mm-hmm. me, it's not a cop out. I don't think that's the right word for it, but that I think is a, a way that's like, okay, this is going to make the adaptation a little easier. We can focus on a narrative that, you know, is grounded in mm-hmm. somebody's life and it's grounded in music because that person was a musician. And so I think that's a smart, you know, mm-hmm. strategic way of making those adaptations. And I the think about music though, is some music is instrumental some music has lyrics sometimes those lyrics do tell a narrative right sometimes those lyrics are very abstract mm-hmm. i mean you think about a lot of popular songs there are there's lots of imagery and things that translate very well visually but a lot of popular songs are about feelings they're about you know they're about love they're about these abstract concepts they're about relationships and how do you translate mm-hmm. that necessarily into a feature like film for example i feel like you know, right. music videos, that's probably the most common way that people try to adapt music into visual media, right? And a, a lot of times I just can't sit through music videos because I feel like they're not either, either they're too abstract and that's how they're trying to approach the fact that right. music is something that you listen to rather than something that you see. So they try right. to do something that's really abstract right. with it. Or they try to form a narrative out of a story where, or out of out of the lyrics where there isn't a strong narrative to begin with, because the music is trying to convey feelings and emotions and abstract concepts, and not so much focus on, you know, boy meets girl, girl and boy fall in love, whatever. You know what I mean? So I think it's incredibly tricky. Yeah. Um, I don't know with the biopics. I think that's an interesting idea. You know, in preparation for this podcast, though you know, revisiting yesterday and across the universe. These are two very ambitious projects, I think, when it comes to adapting music. And obviously they're adapting the Beatles music, which we've already covered. This is one of the big, biggest, most important bands ever right. to have existed. So this is going to be a difficult task anyway. <laughs> but to get to the heart of your question, yeah, good, yeah, luck. good luck, right? <laughs> yeah. But to capture the essence of these songs, I think cinematically, you need to do something that's going to help express the emotions and the feelings that the music is trying to portray. And I think you have to do something interesting right. that's going to be abstract while you're doing a narrative. And I think, you know, in terms of cinema, what the greatest tool that I think a director has in the arsenal is camera work. And I think if you could do camera work and lighting and settings that very accurately, you know, re- uh, that accurately evoke the same emotions that a song is presenting, then the adaptation, I feel like, becomes a bit more smooth. It's interesting you were talking about the trend, the adaptation of music to music videos, because I think about a couple of music videos I've watched in the past week, just, you know, showing people or just for my own, you know, I like to go back and watch them there's Uh two that i've watched just in the last week that really contrast the use of video for accompanying 
uh, music or accompanying uh-huh. a song. The first is um, a song called This Is America by Childish Gambino. I don't know if you've seen it. I have, yeah. Mm-hmm. You have. It's very, you know, it was controversial in the violence that it portrays, but the, my point being the the music video was meant to reinforce the themes of the song. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the, the visual is is supplementing the lyrics of and the music in the song. Right. Mm-hmm. Where contrast that to I don't remember the name of the song, but it's a song by OK Go. I don't know if you've ever seen any of their music oh, videos. Right. Mm-hmm. But this the one that I was watching is when they're on a pl- on a plane and it's all anti gravity. Right. And things are they've right. got all this orchestration going on. There is no like message being portrayed in my opinion in the visual of that music video except for the fact that this is a music this is a uh, a group that is known for their their you know innovative uh-huh. you know provo- uh, provocative like ways of doing their music videos that's all that i'm really getting from that is oh this is entertaining that's so cool it's uh-huh. clever how they filmed that and with no gravity but to your point like video can be used to get the message across like really enforce it but Uh can also just be used to be like a visual just another medium to go with the song right um and it doesn't have to have any connection to the meaning of the song or the message that's being portrayed i think if we carry that over to these movies i think they both do something very interesting. So across mm-hmm. the universe, there's a there's a, a narrative, a story they want to tell, and it is the music of the Beatles is used to tell that story. Right. It, in terms of like the songs are the songs that are used are placed in the song so that they fit with the the mood and the tone of that part of the movie. And it's been a while since I've seen Across the Universe, but all I really remember, I remember seeing it for the first time it, my freshman year of college. Uh-huh. And I, I saw it with some friends and I just remember coming away from it being like, that was weird. <laughs> like I didn't really, it, it didn't really click like what the point was other than we're, we did this movie and there's a bunch of Beatles music in it. So I didn't really, I didn't really, it didn't really connect with me except for there's uh, one song in the movie that really did touch me. And I think it's just beautiful the way it's performed and the way, like, again, it coming back to like, this is America. There's uh-huh. a message being portrayed in the song, let it be. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the vocalist, she does an amazing job. Just like completely like blows anyone ever anyone ever singing that song she blows them away even like paul mccartney sorry but wow (laughs) she just she absolutely i know that's a big claim but that that for me was the big takeaway from that movie was that performance of that Uh song there was just so much emotion and i felt that and so what's interesting as we as we consider across the universe and the way that that was an adaptation it kind of played more of a connective role than a supportive role in the narrative. Mm-hmm. And 
I want to think maybe for a second about someone who grew up with the Beatles music, who maybe even went to like a concert and felt the energy and has all that emotional connection uh-huh. behind listening to one of those songs. How does someone who's had that experience go into watching a movie like Across the Universe and enjoy it without having those like we talked last week about Pride and Prejudice, watching the different versions for different reasons. Right. How would you approach that when you've got these experiences with music going into a movie like Across the Universe? Oh, man. That is an excellent question. And I wish I had, you know, days to think of a good answer to it. But I don't. So <laughs> we're going to go for it. So like you, I watched Across the Universe for the first time when I was a freshman at college. For our listeners, by the way, Aaron and I are basically the same age, exactly. Okay. So just <laughs> yeah. just yeah. a point of reference, right? When I watched it, I, was, I could not follow its story to save my life. There are so right. many different okay. characters, <laughs> and they are all over the yeah. place. And what's interesting yeah. about this is one of the clear, you know, thinking about this in retrospect and, you know, I was doing a lot to refresh my memory about Across the Universe this week, uh, short of watching it, unfortunately, I didn't have time to, but uh, it's just obviously there was a creative decision there to craft a story out of all these Beatles songs that mention specific names, right? And right. <laughs> yeah. which is a very ambitious goal, right? For me, mm-hmm. I feel like when I listen to those Beatles songs and it uses the name, you know, Lovely Rita, Meter Maid, or Hey Jude, you know, these songs to me with these names, they just humanize the experience and they and they really do make it about the everyman, right. you know, the, the everyday person. And then to, to personify all of these characters and to try to tie them all into a single narrative to me just felt convoluted. Like, yeah, I, I appreciate the ambition, and I think it's interesting that the creative decision to try to you know personify all these songs to give them life and backstory and all these things, which I think is really right. interesting. But I mean, I think they covered like thirty three different Beatles song and Beatles songs and across the universe. If for me, going back to our discussion in Pride of Prejudice about miniseries versus film, across the universe needs to be a miniseries if you're going to do this. <laughs> You need yeah, you need yeah. twelve hours to tell that type of story, not two and a half, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So for me, that was my big takeaway experiment. Or that was my big takeaway experience from watching the movie right. with you. There are psychedelic elements which were interesting it's visually, I guess, and they want to recall sort of that '60s psychedelic, you know, fever. There's so much of that movie. For me, the movie, just in a nutshell, is trying to do too much at once. They're trying to talk about Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. They're make, you know, they're making allusions to Jimi Hendrix, to Janis Joplin, to the Vietnam War, to what's happening. All these massive cultural and political, you know, things that are happening in the '60s. And they're trying to tell all that through the Beatles, which I think is a really ambitious project because the Beatles, you know, they had opinions on these things that were happening and they were at the forefront of this cultural revolution in a lot of ways. And so Mm -hmm. I think creatively it does make sense to, to use Beatles music to do that. But for me, the movie, the more, you know, I've been thinking about this, the, the more that movie is less about the Beatles and more it is about using the Beatles as a medium 
to make the critiques they wanted to make about 60s culture and how that resonates in 2009 when the movie came out. That's a really great insight. And I, I'm inclined to agree with you that they tried to take on too much by having the names mentioned in the songs be present in the narrative. But I, I love a word that you used, and I think this is our our technical PhD word from you for the day is oh, personification. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, it, it's a great word because if you think about the original Beatles songs, they talk, they mention these names in their songs. Um, I think the song is get back. It says Joe talks about Jojo. So right. called Jojo. Uh-huh. Um, there, there's always, there's always a name being mentioned. And like you said that the movie tried to personify these these characters in the songs that we but if you think about it that's kind of ambitious in itself because they're just mentioned in a song the Beatles didn't you know create a backstory about who that person was or anything like that it's you know I'm sure we could go and and find more do our research and find reasons as to why those names were used in particular but the point being, if you just listen to the music and you're only familiar with the music and then you go watch a movie that tries to personify that, you're going to struggle if you try to do that for, as you said, 30 or more songs. Because um, you like for a movie, you, you're expecting like the plot to be developed for character development and you're expecting to do that in two hours and you're not going to get that if you keep changing the characters and bringing in new people that much. So as you said, I completely agree. Maybe a miniseries would have been a better way to personify the Beatles music and do it justice in a, in a way that builds characters as well. So I, I think that's a, that's a great insight. And um, I love the way that you analyzed across the universe for us there. <laughs> Let's flip over and talk about yesterday. Um, now this one, this movie came out last year and it kind of was, some somewhat of a sleeper hit so it it wasn't it wasn't you know huge marketing campaign i mean i saw ads for it here and there it kind of played like counter programming to a lot of the action-packed summer movies that come out and what's interesting about this movie it's an adaptation but it's and it's not like across the universe where they've created a narrative and fit the song or like mamma mia where they fit the the song lyrics to the mood or the the moment uh-huh. and it's not a biopic either because it's not showing you the life of the Beatles and it, I think it's such a fascinating premise because essentially if you're not familiar with the movie there's an incident that happens and everyone in the world forgets who the Beatles are except one guy who's a struggling musician and he uses this as an opportunity to release the Beatles songs in the 21st century and he he releases them as his own and he gets hugely famous because these songs are very catchy and there's a whole narrative that plays out. But essentially there's a world where the Beatles don't exist except one guy remembers them and he uses their music. Now I had friends and my parents and family members who saw this movie, who just raved about it, said it was so good. And so I knew I had to go see it. And when I finally got to see it, it was really fun. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And I'm really I'm really excited to get your take on it and, and talk a little bit more about it. 
I think one of the funniest parts of the movie was like playing on the theme of, yeah, everyone knows the Beatles. Everyone knows all these songs, but having people in the like characters in the movie acting like someone would, if they'd never heard this before, like getting mm-hmm. the words wrong or saying, Oh no, you should change it to this. It would be better. Right. And it's just kind of like the silliness of that changing one of the Beatles songs like how could how dare you almost you know like watching it in the audience Mm -hmm. but i'd love to get your take how how was your experience watching this movie i was really surprised in a good way my wife she had seen this movie i think when it came out maybe she saw it in theaters anyway and she had told me about it you know i like the beatles and so she said you know jacob you should probably watch this movie because there's a lot of interesting things you know that they're doing with the beatles here i didn't watch it until we were proper excuse me I didn't watch it until we were preparing for this episode and I was really pleasantly surprised. I just thought, you know, similar to you, there's a lot about it. That's really fun, you know? And yeah, you know, a lot of the humor comes from the fact that like Aaron and I have said, even though as teenagers, we weren't massive Beatle fans or anything, but we had an awareness of who they were. Right. And then to watch, you know, a world, this is sort of speculative fiction fiction. What would the world be like without the Beatles? You get all those jokes because you know that the Beatles are a big band, even if you can't sing half their songs. Right. And so I thought it was a really fun way to sort of play, you know, with the viewer. Right. And have the viewer be in on the inside joke throughout the entire film. Now, yeah. as an adaptation of Beatles music, this is a, a point that I've already brought up when we talked about Across the Universe. But for me, you know, the mentioning of those names, the Beatles are really trying to get at that sort of individual personal experience, right? And sure. this is a singer-songwriter who isn't a Beatles cover artist, you know? He sings his own songs no. and it, they don't get any traction. And then he has an opportunity as he is struggling to remember all these different Beatles songs to reintroduce that music into the world, right? And so I think that's a really cool take. This isn't somebody's dream of, hey, you know, I'm just going to be the new Beatles because I'm obsessed with them. But it's rather, hey, nobody's heard the song yesterday. This is one of the greatest songs ever written. You know, I have to do the song justice in the memory of the Beatles justice by presenting this song to the world again, right? So I thought narratively there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there. I think that's great. It, as you said, it is, it's a very fun movie. And it does some interesting things. What I loved about it as well is it was more of, rather than like an adaptation trying to explain something or to go back and reconstruct something, it was, it was more just a celebration of how awesome are the Beatles? Like, right. imagine a world where they don't exist and someone did this the songs would become just as popular because there's just so much value to this music. Right. And it's, it's beloved. Like it, it, like whether it was the Beatles or whether it was like it is in the movie yesterday, people are going to love this music because it just connects to their soul. It connects to their heart. They will enjoy it no matter how it's given to them. I, I thought that was a really awesome message. And I think that was a movie worth being made using the Beatles songs. For sure, and I, I enjoy. I've enjoyed a lot of different movies that have, that have adapted music from different groups, but this one I thought did something really interesting. There was a lot of creativity, a lot of you know, especially in the script. There was a lot of creativity in the writing for the movie. Sure, yeah, and it was. 
Personally, I enjoyed this type of adaptation a lot more than I enjoyed uh, Across the Universe. Mm -hmm. And that, again, that's my opinion. But I think it's it speaks more to, and I'd love to know your thoughts on this, speaks more to the creative choices that were being made. We talked a little bit about this with Pride and Prejudice, where the direction of the Keira Knightley movie, there were decisions or choices made by the director that really enriched it. I yeah. think there were creative choices made by the writers as well as as the the actors. I think there were choices made that really enhanced the experience of the movie and really it presented the Beatles music in a very fun and celebratory way. Yeah, absolutely. Would you agree? Absolutely. So both movies are a homage to the Beatles in some way, right? I think Across the Universe is sort of a celebration of the fact that they have over 30 songs that you've probably heard in some capacity and that you enjoy in some capacity, right? Whereas I think Yesterday right, right. was a homage absolutely to the timelessness of these songs. Hey, even if the Beatles didn't exist, you know, and one guy remembered them, people would still enjoy them, right? And so they're, they're right. both paying homage to the Beatles in, in those different ways. Now, I'm going to use a term here. And I'm going to use it in the most respectful way. I do not mean it to be demeaning or belittling at all <laughs> in regards to Across the Universe. Okay. okay. So just everybody be prepared. Okay. Okay. Across the Universe, to me, feels like a very polished fan fiction of the Beatles music, right? Where somebody, you know, they had a creative vision. They love the Beatles and they said, you know what? Let's use the Beatles songs and characters and construct a narrative that resonates with, you know, the cultural context of the Beatles music and them as a band. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think in that sense, Across the Universe works well. Right. Now, because there's so much creative sort of openness, like what's the word I'm looking for? There's so much like creative or like creative license creative maybe? license that's what i'm thinking of there's so much creative license being used that i think across the universe is going to resonate very well with some people and not so much with other people right i think it's a very particular creative right. take on the beatles music with ye with yesterday the songs that are selected are not are obviously popular Beatles songs, but they're also used to convey the emotions of the characters, right? And so this is getting back to your original sure. question about, you know, <clears throat> adapting music and what you need to keep in mind. I think that yesterday is a great success or a very successful example of an adaptation of music because the different feelings and emotions and abstract thoughts that are being or abstract concepts that are being communicated in the Beatles music translates very well to what's happening narratively on screen. And I think the biggest example of this is, mm -hmm. or the most obvious example for me anyway, is the rooftop concert. Right. And, yeah. you know, which is obviously a direct parallel to the Beatles last concert, which is a rooftop concert. But the main character, Jack right. Malik, he's singing the song, help me, or excuse me, the song is help. He's singing the song, help, and um, he's singing it because that's what he's feeling. He is torn and he's being pulled in so many different directions yeah. and that he he needs something that will yeah. ground him. And what I thought was really fascinating about that cover of the song Help is that it is by far the most punk version of a Beatles song in that movie. And they purposely choose right. that genre so that he can express all of this anger and frustration. And at the very end of singing the song, he screams 
help me into the mic. And then the whole crowd cheers, right? And so I thought there was a really <laughs> fascinating sort of disconnect yeah. between him, what he's feeling, and what mm-hmm. many popular musicians are feeling, right? The crowd that is, you know, right. enjoying their suffering to a certain degree, whether or not they know they're doing that. And that song in particular, in the documentary um, Eight Days a Week by Ron Howard, fa- fascinating documentary about the early Beatles, you know, they talk a lot about that song Help. And for Paul McCartney and John Lennon, that was a song that meant a lot for them because that was the first song where they really put thought into their lyrics and they were feeling those same things that the main character Jack Malik is feeling in Yesterday. So for mm. me, I thought that was a really fascinating, yeah. creative, pivotal point of the movie that really resonated extremely well with what that song is communicating, sort of the feeling in angst that's in those lyrics and the actual history behind how that song was written. So that's the most obvious moment from yesterday. There are other moments that are similar to that. We could talk about those if, we, if we'd like, but that I think was the most poignant, obvious example of how that movie successfully mm-hmm. adapted a song into a film. Having that context and understanding of the Beatles experience made that moment in the movie stand out to you more than it did to me. And that's because I, I wasn't, I hadn't been familiar with that piece of information. So I, but I can totally see, I can play it back in my mind and see how that totally enriches your experience of watching the movie. Mm-hmm. And that is definitely, you know, creative choice that was made to enhance that scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I think we're just about out of time for another episode, which is crazy. I can't believe we're coming to the end of our third episode <laughs> already. Right. What I'd love to what I'd love to do, Jacob, is get maybe a final thought from you. And then also I'd love to know what is your favorite Beatles song. Oh, I'll geez. tell you mine before you yeah, go. But please, I want to know yours, yeah. My favorite Beatles song is Obla Di Obla Da. Nice. It's just so I find it really fun to listen to. Like I a close second would be Let It Be, just uh-huh. because I think there's a lot of emotion in that song. But Obla Di Obla Da, it just is a very cheerful song. I, I'm not even sure I know what it's about, but I anytime it comes on, I turn it up, I try to sing along, and I just have a great time. And that, for me, sums up what I think the Beatles are all about. They were mm-hmm. having a good time and wanted to share that with them. So right. your final thoughts, and then end us end the episode with your favorite Beatles song. Okay, I'll do that. Final thoughts. You know, I really I really enjoyed yesterday. I thought it was a really fantastic adaptation of music. And I thought it was a really sweet way to pay homage to to the Beatles. And across the universe, I think was a you know, visual spectacular. There's a lot going on, on screen that I think is actually really interesting. Some interesting, you know, color palette choices, you know, obviously the use of the psychedelic scenes. And this is something that, you know, my final thought is almost a question for you, Aaron. We've had this type of discussion of four about American films versus British films, right? And Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. director for Across the Universe is an American woman. Her name is Julie, and I'm blanking on her last name. I'm so sorry. And the director of Yesterday is Danny Boyle, a British director. And I walked away preparing from this podcast just feeling, you know, that Across the Universe is such an American film and that Yesterday is such a British film. There's something that's so culturally, I don't know, that resonates just in those films, the way that they were directed and just put together. Mm -hmm. And then I had to ask myself, if you're doing 
sorry, we're ragging on Across the Universe. It's a fine movie. Just, you know, you can enjoy it. But why would you take the Beatles music and lyrics and set that in America? The, the majority of Across the Universe takes place in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. That's just one of the questions that I had. And it's not so much like, well, why would you do this? You're an awful person. But I just, I couldn't think of a potential creative reason why you would construct a story out of all these people that the Beatles wrote about, who I'm assuming they assumed were British and, you know, that sort of cultural background. And why would you set that story in the United States of America? What does that mean? Right. And I think creatively there's probably something there. I mean, it, it it parallels the British invasion, you know, culturally. And so that would, that I think is a fine explanation. And like I said, I don't want to ask that question being like, well, they did such an awful thing by deciding to do this, but more like (laughs) that was a, a clear decision in my mind to do that. And I'm really curious to know why. Whereas yesterday to me feels incredibly British. And I don't mean that like, yeah. you know, the way that we Americans <laughs> view British people, which is, you know, drinking tea and, you know, I don't know, dressing up like Mary Poppins. <laughs> but in the sense that there's something that's, you know what I mean? There's something culturally different about it. And so that's sort of my yeah. final thought. I'll let you address that if you'd like to. And then really fast, yeah, probably... My favorite Beatles song, I, I think I have two. Sorry, I'm cheating. Okay. I love the song Blackbird. <laughs> I cheated too. It's okay. Okay. I love the song that Blackbird. Is a song. I, I think it's just an, an absolutely gorgeous, simple song, and it's wonderful. And then the other song is actually from Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. It's A Day in the Life. And this is a song that they reference a lot in Yesterday. You know, there's several moments where there's okay. this giant building wall of sound. And that happens, you know, halfway through the song, A Day in the Life. And I just think, and this is coming back to what we talked about with Pride and Prejudice. There's so many things about our daily lives that are so incredibly exciting and mundane at the same time. And I just think A Day in the Life, the way that it is one of those songs that really captures that. And I think it's one of those things that plays out pretty well in the film as well. Yeah, awesome. I'll have to go check that one out. I, don't, I, I can't recall listening to it. Um, I think just to kind of reflect back on what you you were sharing there, I, I think there's some interesting choices made, as you said, with Across the Universe by uh, Julie Taymor. Thank you. That's Julie our Taymor, name I'm so for sorry. the week. <laughs> I know, I'm going to forget a name every week. Julie Taymor, if you're listening, we love you. We think you do great work. But yeah, I think I think you make a great point that there were creative choices that were made that maybe weren't as clear to understand. And there's definitely a different feel in Across the Universe being a movie set in the United States versus Yesterday as a movie set in the UK. And for good or bad, those were choices that were made that were, you know, impacting in in the final product that we that we watch as the audience. But thank you so much for those thoughts. And I, I agree with you as well. Blackbird is a beautiful song, very simple, beautiful pretty song i think that wraps us up for another week aaron fantastic aaron really is the backbone of this podcast putting so much of this together i think <laughs> fantastic questions and insight really and when you brought up the music videos what a fantastic way to sort of illustrate different ways of using music video as a medium you know visually to express what's happening uh, musically I don't know. I've had a ton of fun. Beatles are a lot of fun to talk about. And I think these are two very different, yes, very interesting and very ambitious and creative adaptations of music to film. I'm excited we got to talk about them. <laughs>